Hey, everyone, and welcome back to Big Mad True Crime, where we get big mad over true crime. I'm your host, Heather Ashley, and today's case is out of New Orleans, Louisiana. Small talk sucks, so let's dive in. Jessica Easterly was born on August 17, 1976 in the Magnolia State, a.k.a. Mississippi, and shortly thereafter became the oldest of three sisters, and she took her role seriously. She adored her sisters, and they adored her. She was sweet and a little bit sassy. She loved all things pretty, makeup, fashion, decorating, that was her happy place. And while kind in her bones, Jessica could also sprinkle cuss words like confetti, so in summary, she was our people. Jessica was also incredibly smart and had a huge heart. When it came time for college, she buckled down and got her undergrad degrees in both audiology and speech pathology. Out of college, like many college grads do, she worked odd jobs here and there and picked up friends along the way the best of which was her friend Maria. As you'll come to find, Maria is our people too. Jessica and Maria's friendship was the kind you have for life, the kind of friendship where you can be completely yourself, no holds barred without judgment. Maria was Jessica's rock. In the late 2000s, when Jessica was in her late 30s, she went on a boating trip with one of her girlfriends and a man named Justin caught her eye. Justin was actually her friend's husband, so nothing came of it at the time. Jessica and her friend lost touch, but a year or so later, in 2011, she got a phone call. It was Justin. Him and his wife had split up. According to Jessica's family and a mugshot I ran across, it doesn't look like the marriage ended smoothly, and frankly, that's putting it lightly. His mugshot was for a domestic assault charge on August 11, 2011. From what I've been told, the arrest was related to his ex-wife and not Jessica, and that he and Jessica got together after that. However, I feel like it should be mentioned that on July 11, 2011, Jessica posted to Facebook that she and Justin had moved in together in New Orleans, and her profile photo at the time was a picture of the two of them. For what it's worth, the domestic abuse charge doesn't look like it's the only time Justin ran into trouble with the law. Because according to Crime Online, he'd also racked up charges of probation violation and unlawful possession of a firearm over the years. Continuing on, after the split with his wife, Justin remembered the pretty girl from the boat that he couldn't take his eyes off of, so he tracked down her phone number. His and Jessica's relationship moved incredibly fast. Sometimes it's just love at first sight, but sometimes it's a red flag. We've seen so many domestic violence situations where an abuser was insistent on moving in together as a means of control. When you live together, it's a whole lot easier for an abuser to monitor the comings and goings, phone conversations, text messages, and who the victim is spending their time with outside of their abuser. And with Justin's history of domestic abuse, the red flag meter is high. When Jessica started dating Justin, she gained a daughter, Justin's teenage daughter Grace, from a previous marriage. And without hesitation, Jessica dove headfirst into motherhood. She immediately fell in love with Grace and everything she did, every decision she made, revolved around Grace and what was best for her. As the years went by, Jessica began a battle with fibromyalgia, which for anyone who doesn't know, is extreme widespread pain throughout the body for essentially no reason at all. 
it's more common in females and can have a genetic component to it, you're more likely to suffer from fibromyalgia if someone else in your family has as well. Because of the fibromyalgia, Jessica's family told Crawl Space that she was fully disabled from being able to work your average 9 to 5, but that gave her more time with Grace. If Grace needed anything, Jessica was there to give it to her. If she needed to go anywhere, Jessica was there to take her. To make money where she could, Jessica did some extra work on TV shows in the area like NCIS New Orleans and Claws, and even started her own business, Southern Heels NOLA, where she would make custom flip-flops to match her customers' personalities. She adorned them with jewels, ribbons, you name it, she did it, and she was proud of it. Jessica might have been in pain, but she wasn't going to let that pain control her happiness. She always found a way to push through for her little family and for herself. In 2014, three years into her relationship with Justin, he proposed, and just like their relationship started, the engagement to wedding was pretty swift. By February 15th, 2015, they were married. They didn't have a big blowout wedding, just something simple on the beach at sunset on a Wednesday night with a few close friends and family. According to Jessica's family's interview with Crawl Space, Michael and his reported insatiable need for sex became the newest way for them to make money as a couple. They started doing adult videos for different camming websites under an alias. Justin was damn proud of this. They had two joint Twitter accounts for their adult content that were very active and constantly promoting the lucrative sites. I'm talking posts all day, every day. On January 4th of 2019, Jessica and Justin did an interview with a popular camming website and talked a little bit about themselves. I hate even having to name the website because I don't want to draw more attention than is necessary to Justin's continued venture, but for sourcing purposes, it was whynotcam.com. Jessica was described as having two master's degrees, which was a bit untrue. We know from earlier that she had a double undergrad degree. Justin was described as having 15 years of prior military service, including deployments. However, according to Jessica's family, that wasn't true either. In that Crawl Space interview, Jessica's friend and sister said that they'd been contacted by Justin's family and were told that he'd never been in the military, let alone ever deployed. The interview continued on, noting that Justin was currently a weapons instructor, which also felt like another hard no, considering his previous probation violation and unlawful possession of a weapon charge. In the end, the article, which referred to Jessica and Justin as a power couple, wrapped up with them discussing how they got into camming and how much they love the industry. The term power couple being used to describe their marriage had to be incredibly painful for Jessica to swallow, considering the fact that just 12 days after this article was published, she messaged her friend Lowe the following, Hey, I need to talk to you about this weekend. I'm hiding in the bathroom right now so Justin doesn't hear me. We've been fighting, like fighting for the past three days about everything. He's threatened to kick me out, put me in jail. He's hit me. It's bad. He told me you guys can't come over or it's going to be worse for me. Lo, I'm sorry. I know it's last minute and I feel awful. I don't know what to do. I can recommend somewhere that's reasonable and nice. The Beyond Canal. We stay there a lot or used to. Lo, I'm scared. 
Not only was Jessica scared and saying she'd been hit, she was also saying that she had to protect herself from further abuse by inconveniencing her friend at the last minute and hoping she would still come to visit. Jessica's family said that she used Facebook Messenger to talk to her friends and family because on Messenger, she could delete everything she sent. According to them, Justin had all of her passwords and access to all of her accounts. They said that it even got to the point where Jessica would have to call everyone on speaker. Private phone conversations were not allowed. To try and get any form of privacy, she would call her friends and family while Justin was sleeping and whisper so she didn't wake him up. During that crawlspace interview, Jessica's friend Maria said that Jessica called her and wanted out several times, but would in the end change her mind. She knew she deserved better and what she was going through wasn't love, but leaving was hard. If she left, she'd be leaving the daughter she loved as her own, and she'd be leaving her with the man she was running from. As I've mentioned in prior episodes, I want to challenge everyone not to ask the question, why didn't she just leave? Jessica thought about it and made plans for it several times. Maria posted on WebSleuths that Jessica once told her, If I leave him, he will hunt me down and kill me. He's got connections. He will make me disappear. And it looks like Jessica genuinely believed that because in that crawlspace episode, Maria told them that Jessica had thought of damn near everything. When she was finally ready, she knew that Justin would know Maria was the first person she would call, and Maria's house would be the first place he'd go looking for her, so she'd have to go with someone she didn't know, like a domestic violence shelter. She even considered the fact that she wouldn't be able to use her bank card because he'd immediately know where she was, therefore she'd either have to get her own or use cash. Jessica knew that if she left, it would be the most life-threatening decision she ever made, a life-threatening decision to save her own life. Let that sink in. On August 12, 2019, around noon, Maria got three phone calls in a row. She told Crossbase that she was in the shower, but after the repeated calls, figured someone really needed her, so she dried her hands off and picked up the phone. It was Jessica, and she was finally ready to leave. She didn't give Maria many details, just that she had to get out of there and ask Maria to come get her. Maria lived in Alabama, so it was going to be a two-hour drive to get there, four hours round trip. Maria's kids were in school that day, and she didn't have anyone nearby to pick them up, so she and Jessica made plans for Maria to drive to New Orleans the next morning as soon as she dropped her kids off at school. With this plan, there would be plenty of time for Maria to drive to Jessica's house and back, and she wouldn't have to bring her kids with her into a possibly domestic violence situation. Maria and Jessica continued to talk throughout the day, and in that episode of Crawlspace, Maria says that Jessica called her later that afternoon while her stepdaughter Grace was at the doctor's office. Justin wasn't there, and Grace was being seen by the doctor, so Jessica had a rare moment of privacy. She seemed to have calmed down a bit and told Maria that Justin had had some time to get some sleep, but that she didn't know what was going to happen when she got home. Regardless, the pickup was still on. On the morning of the 13th, Maria took her kids to school and called Jessica over and over and over. 
She wanted to make sure that if she drove the two hours to pick her up, that Jessica was going to get in the car and leave this time. But Jessica never responded to any of Maria's phone calls or texts. Oddly enough, those two joint adult content Twitter accounts seemed to go uncharacteristically silent that day. Maria didn't hear from Jessica at all on the 13th, but at exactly 9 p.m. on the dot the following day, August 14th, 2019, she got a message from Jessica's Facebook account. Except it wasn't Jessica. It was Justin. Justin asked Maria if Jessica was with her because he and Grace were worried. He continued saying that it was fine if she was, that he and Grace just didn't know where Jessica was, and that Grace couldn't handle stress like this. I want to point out here that Justin just told Maria it was fine if Jessica was with her, as if two grown women would have needed his approval for their whereabouts. But let's continue. Maria told Justin that Jessica was not with her and immediately knew something wasn't right. She asked him about the last time he'd spoken to Jessica and he told her it had been around noon and added that Jessica's car, keys, ID, and money were still at the house. When Maria asked whether Jessica's phone was also still at the house, he told her, and I quote, Here too, effing weird, worried. She's never done this. Effing weird? You haven't seen or heard from your wife in nine hours. Everything she'd ever need if she left the house is still there, and you think it's effing weird. Unprompted, he continues to almost respond to a question he might have anticipated but was never actually asked, and tells Maria, I have no idea. Checked everything and everyone I know. Maria wasn't having this bullshit, so she told him she was sending the police to the house. If her friend was missing, she was going to get the police involved, even if her own husband wasn't. Justin's response to that? Okay, you're going to freak Grace out, but... I'm sorry, didn't you just say that Grace couldn't handle stress like this? Stress of her stepmother being missing. But getting the police involved to search for that stepmother, his missing wife, was just going to freak her out? He should be freaking the fuck out if he's messaging Maria and has supposedly checked everything and everyone he knows, which Maria called him on. She said, if my husband came home from work and all my stuff was here and the kids didn't know where I was, he would already be talking to the police. This seemed to trigger some emotion because Justin replied, I know how to file a missing persons report. Do you think I hurt her or something? Bitch, you said it. First of all, Maria never told him that he didn't know how to file a missing persons report. She was just going to make sure his ass actually did. And literally no one mentioned him hurting her, albeit it wasn't far from anyone's mind. Justin continued his fuckery by assuming that no one could possibly outthink him, as if if he said something, everyone would believe it. Justin told Maria that the police couldn't do anything until 24 hours because she's an adult. At that point, Maria was already on the phone with the police herself, making sure law enforcement knew what was going on. And even though Maria was busy getting shit done and not responding to Justin's messages, he continued sending them. He told her that he was checking hospitals and jails now. But wait, I thought you said you already checked with everything and everyone you know. Did he just assume when he first said that that everyone would simply take it as truth and would just be a little worried but hoped he would handle the situation appropriately? If so, he grossly underestimated the lack of faith everyone had in him. 
Within an hour and 12 minutes of Justin's first message to Maria, he told her that he'd called the hospital and both jails and that Jessica wasn't at any of them. He also said he'd called the police and claimed he was told that a person had to be missing for 24 hours before he could file anything. Followed by, I have to be missing something. Yeah, your wife. Literally crawl to the police station and sit in the lobby in a lawn chair if someone is telling you some bullshit about waiting 24 hours. But while Justin said he was calling all of these places and sending those messages, Maria actually was on the phone with dispatch and told Crawlspace that she told the dispatcher what Justin was saying, and the dispatcher reaffirmed that no one in their department would ever tell anyone that they couldn't report someone missing until 24 hours had passed. Anyone with access to a single television would know that. I mean, there's literally a show called The First 48 because the first 48 hours after a person goes missing is the most crucial. Justin was essentially forced into filing that missing persons report when the police knocked on the door to do a welfare check for Jessica. The report says it was filed on the 14th, but if you look at the time, it lists 2 a.m., so it was more than likely the early morning hours of the 15th. He sent a photo of that report to Maria at 1.29 p.m. on the afternoon of the 15th. All of these screenshots can be seen on Jessica's website, justice4jessica.org. He told Maria, I'm about to go full out social media and every asset I have to find out if my wife is safe. I have a child throwing up and needs to know her mom is okay. Here is the missing persons report. If you know where she is and that she's okay, I would appreciate you telling me before all the world knows our problems. You said what now? It's been more than 24 hours since you said you last saw her and you haven't gone full out social media yet? And since when is asking the public to search for your missing wife telling all the world your personal problems? Unless maybe you knew they were about to find out because they sure as shit did. He told Maria, this is really messing Grace up, not to mention other people too. Yeah, it's messing up her friends, her family, but you haven't mentioned much about how it's messing you up, just that it's effing weird, and the mention of the single word, worried. Maria again was done with his bullshit and told him, if she left you because you're an asshole to her, I'm 100% supportive of her doing that. The problem I'm having is, I'm the person she would call and I haven't heard from her since Monday, the 12th. So either some random person in this big dangerous city you live in has taken my friend or you lost your shit because she was trying to leave you, from my point of view. Because honestly, I can't even name one single other friend that she has left. It doesn't make sense that she would leave and not tell me something. Again, we're going to take a minute here to pause and talk about something we've discussed in previous episodes dealing with domestic violence, alienation. Many abusers alienate their victims from their family and friends, one person at a time, so the victim feels like the only person they have in the world is their abuser. Jessica had to tell her friend Lo that things were going to be worse for her if she stayed with her and Justin, inconveniencing her friend and alienating her. She had to call people on speakerphone so Justin could hear, making her own family and friends uncomfortable because they knew Justin was listening, something that also alienated Jessica. The less people were able to make plans with Jessica and freely speak with her, the less those visits happened, and over time, less and less calls came in 
And at the time of her disappearance, Maria felt like one of the only friends Jessica had left. And Justin knew that, which is likely why he picked her to message at exactly 9 p.m. Not at dinner time, not when it got dark, none of those visual time frames you tend to see people set before they get worried. No, nine hours later at exactly 9 p.m. After Maria handed him his ass, Justin gaslit the shit out of her, which we can only expect out of him at this point. He told her, you're right, as always, it's all about you. Thanks for helping her and us in this. Bitch, all of that was about Jessica, and Maria is the only one who helped you and Grace, because Justin sure as shit hadn't reported her missing himself and didn't bother calling that hospital or jail until Maria told him she was calling the police. Marie responded with, don't even. If I hear anything from her, I'll be sure to let you know she's safe for Grace's sake. His response, plenty human of you. And yes, we're all raging together at this point. This is how Justin acted when someone gave all the fucks about his missing wife and he couldn't seem to scrounge up one. And considering how much fire is raging through our veins just hearing about this, Jessica had to live with this dude. If he's this level of shitbag to her friend who's trying to help, we can only imagine what he was like behind closed doors when no one could screenshot and share his fuckery. The 16th went by with no updates. The 17th, Jessica's birthday, went by with no updates. However, their shared adult content Twitter account was sure to post a happy birthday message to Jessica. Yes, with Jessica missing, Justin posted a happy birthday post about her to all of their adult content followers. The 18th went by and there was also nothing. No updates, no search parties, no pleas to the public, no masses on the streets with missing persons posters, nothing. All of her friends and family were another state away, so everyone would have been relying on Justin for this. On the 19th at 5.33 p.m., when Maria took a break from trying to get any officer to update her on Jessica's missing persons report and what they were doing to find her, she took a gander at Jessica's Facebook. It's there that she noticed some videos had been shared on Jessica's account, so she messaged Justin about it. He told her that he was trying to keep Grace's spirits up and then comes in like a hot mess contradicting his asinine statement that he didn't know they'd posted and that's why he wasn't fucking with Facebook. So let me get this straight. You didn't know they posted, but you posted them because you were trying to get Grace's spirits up as if having her missing stepmother's Facebook account post videos would make her feel better. Because the only way Grace could take that was either someone else was posting from her stepmother's account, or that her stepmother was okay and simply didn't care enough to let her know, which wasn't how Jessica would roll. The consensus is that Justin fucked up, and Maria knew now more than ever that something was wrong. After several calls and a shift change, she told Crawlspace that she was finally able to get a hold of an officer who was willing to go back to Jessica's house. But Maria says when the officer knocked, Justin wouldn't answer. 
Your wife has been missing for days and a cop knocks on your door and you don't answer. I mean, they could have been coming to let you know that they'd found something, that she was safe, that she wasn't safe, or that they were planning a search. I mean, anything. But he didn't answer the door. At 9.53 p.m., just 20 minutes after asking him about those videos, he texted Maria saying, You have no idea what I've been doing here on the ground and with people in positions to help. I appreciate the posters and trust me when I tell you that I've been nonstop. This is my whole life we're talking about. Whether you believe that is out of my control. It's a little effing weird that he told her she had no idea what's been going on on the ground but failed to actually explain what that meant. Interesting that he mentions he was doing all of that supposed groundwork with people in positions to help, but didn't name a single one of them and couldn't be bothered to answer the door when the police came by. And of course, in true Justin fashion, ended the text with some more gaslighting, telling her that whether or not she believes his vague bullshit was out of his control, which is coincidentally probably one of the truest statements he's ever made. Once again, Maria wasn't having his bullshit and is the best friend we all need. If we could get a care.com full of friends like Maria, that would be great because we all need someone who's going to call out bullshit husbands, go to bat for us and ask for receipts and ask for receipts. She did. She responded to Justin saying, good to know, like who? What are their names so the police can coordinate with them to look for her? And of course, when it came down to answering a single question with an answer, he answered with a question. He said, do you think I'm not on the phone or in person with police? Come on, Maria. And added a visually offensive amount of question marks at the end. No, Justin, we don't. The police just came by and your ass couldn't be bothered enough to answer the door. So again, no. And if you could please answer a question without a question, that'd be great. Maria reiterated, you said you have people looking for her. Do you mean the police or friends of yours? I'm just not sure what people on the ground means. I'm trying to understand. And while she was trying to understand what that meant, I want to point out the fact that he never told her that he had people looking for her. Just simply that he had people on the ground, which in and of itself is not impressive. I am in fact a person on the ground. I am also not an active part of any search parties for missing people. Michael then clarified what he meant by saying, friend at the TV station here I graduated with, head of K-9, chief of fire investigation. I don't have time to type all this at the moment. The head of central casting, it goes on. In a text to someone else who has remained nameless, but the screenshot is on justice4jessica.org, Justin said, I went to high school with, insert name here, investigative reporter for WDSU. I called him on his cell and is returning my call ASAP. He also said, insert name here, is another friend I've left a message for. I am friends with the fucking district attorney of Orleans Parish. If all of this is true, which, I mean, let's be real, I'm curious why he wasn't calling in all the favors in the world to find his missing wife, because at this point, there had still been no searches for Jessica. And for a dude who says he's friends with the DA, he sure doesn't like opening the doors for police. On August 20th, 2019, six days after Maria got that first message from Justin using Jessica's Facebook account, the media finally picked up her story, though it was simple. 
that she was last seen on August 14th in the 6,000 block of General High Street, a really nice neighborhood in New Orleans, and that Justin had noticed she was missing around 3 p.m. when he woke up. For anyone wondering why he was asleep at 3 p.m. in the afternoon, from what I can tell, it looks like he was taking a nap. It took six days for anyone to report on Jessica's disappearance. Six days. And all they asked was for anyone with information to call the department. No description of what she was wearing, no hints at where she might be, no history, no mention of past searches, no mention of future searches, no desperate plea from her husband, nothing. Just, she's missing, hit us up if you know anything. And that's not on the media because they don't know what they don't know. But through the grapevine, it looks like Justin may have spoken to a reporter. However, if he did, it was never aired or published. If it did happen, though, I'd love to see that footage. While all of this was going on, the Facebook messages, the text messages, the initial call to police, the videos posted to her Facebook, the second time police were called to the house, and the quote-unquote people on the ground, Justin and Jessica's joint adult content Twitter accounts were very active, posting explicit photos and videos of the both of them. Even with her missing and Justin telling Maria about his people on the ground and telling his friends that he knew the DA, he made time to post illicit photos and videos of him and his missing wife on Twitter. I repeat, his wife was missing and he was making sure that their fans still got to see her and in a way that frankly someone should have to consent to. On August 22nd, 10 days after the last time Maria spoke to Jessica and eight days after Justin claimed to have last seen her, Jessica's sisters and cousin decided they were going to take a drive down to Louisiana and speak to detectives themselves because at this point they were beyond frustrated and felt like nothing was being done. They didn't feel like anyone was prioritizing Jessica's disappearance and they had very obvious concerns. In that interview with Crawl Space, Jessica's sister said that the three of them were a little early for their meeting and decided to drive by Jessica's house and scope out places where they could search. Obviously, she wasn't in anyone's yard and she wasn't on the street, but they wanted to see if there was anywhere close by that someone could be hidden in. While they were driving down General High Street, the street Jessica lived on, her cousin smelled something. He smelled decomposition and told them to stop the car. So they did, and each of them got out and followed the smell. Certainly, she couldn't have been this close, right? They followed the smell down to the end of the street where the 610 overpass runs over. They took a left on Kenilworth Street, and at the very end of the road, underneath the overpass, Jessica's sister found something. But what exactly she found is going to have to wait until next week. For all photos and screenshots pertaining to this case, check out Jessica's highlight at the top of my Instagram profile at the Heather Ashley, and join me there Tuesday night at 9 p.m. Eastern where you go live with me and we talk about her case. 
If you like your podcast ad-free, head over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash bigmadtruecrime, where for just one whole dollar a month, your episodes are totally ad-free. If you need more episodes in your life, for just $5 a month, you get a bonus episode on the first Monday of every month. All your episodes are ad-free, and you'll also receive a forever discount code for all Big Mad True Crime merch. And of course, anytime you sign up, you get instant access to all previous bonus episodes. I'll be bringing you part two of Jessica's case a week from today, and I cannot wait. But until then, we out.